Good morning, once again. Uh, my name is Dan Dubois, as the, the announcements have said, as John said. Um, yeah, I'm going to start by just introducing myself, uh, my family, give you a brief history of how we got to this point, and then uh, we will get into our text for this morning. Um, I am a native Mich- person from Michigan, Michigander. Uh, I was born and raised in Grand Rapids. Uh, following high school, I went to Grand Rapids Community College, and then I was looking for what uh, God would have me do next, and a, a little old lady at my church came up to me and said I should look at Moody Bible Institute. And so I applied to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and I ended up in Moody Bible Institute in Spokane, Washington, um, which is like, it's different. Let's just say that. It's different than downtown Chicago. And uh, while I was there, I started attending a small Baptist church where I was serving in youth ministry. And after about a year and a half of being there, I noticed that there was a beautiful, intelligent woman serving in youth ministry with me. And uh, I convinced her that I was a tolerable person, and uh, I did. And, uh, and um, we were married in 2015, and uh, in 2017, we had our first son. His name is Jack. And then a year and a half later, we had a son named Charlie, or Charles. Um, so at this point, we were still in Spokane, Washington, looking for what God would have us do. And so uh, we were looking for what to do. And after a lot of prayer, a lot of counsel, we ended up um, packing up all of our stuff into a truck, into our car, and driving across the country to move to uh, Michigan without a home, without a job, and without a church. And God has provided all of those things for us over this past year and has just been a, a really great blessing. I'm currently working for the state of Michigan. Uh, Sarah's currently at home with our kids, and um, she's cleaning up a lot of mess of the th- after the... Th- she's cleaning up my mess, mostly. It's my mess, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, if there's one thing you have to know about each of us, it's uh, my youngest, Charlie. He loves balls, and so... Uh, not just playing with them, but watching them. So football is now a parenting activity for me. And so I get to watch football. Uh, Jack, he loves to climb ladders, slides, chairs, climbing walls, whatever it is, he will climb up on it and can climb up on it. Um, we were at a park yesterday and just watching him going up and down is still impressive to me. Uh, Sarah has never once said no to coffee or popcorn since I've married her. And I have a beard. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that. It's not just a shadow. It is a beard. Um, My favorite hobbies are playing with my sons, eating with my wife, and rooting for teams, rooting against teams from Ohio. Uh, I grew up in the church, um, going three times a week, sometimes four. And so there was never a point where the gospel was, was not a true thing for me. But I think early in my life, I did not understand how the gospel or how Jesus made a difference in the here and now. I mean, I'm sure you've even asked yourself, does Jesus matter right now? Does he change the way I have to live? Can he change the way I live? Does he have to change the things that I stuff, the stuff that I watch, the things that I listen to, and the things that I read? And how do I know if Jesus is changing me? Turn in your Bibles if you have them to Colossians chapter 2. And in Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians who had to answer these very questions. 
And so this letter is an encouragement to them that encountering Jesus changes your life right now and for all eternity. So a basic outline for this morning is we're going to look at four characteristics of someone who has received Christ and has been changed by him. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Why don't we pray? Our God and Father, we are thankful this morning for the truth of your word. It has the power to change, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would be working on our hearts and working through my words to effect change. God, our desire is that we would grow to know you more and love you more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we get to these four characteristics, and before Paul gets to these four characteristics, I think that he starts, that there's a a starting point before that. There's a moment in time where you had received Christ, but before that, you had not received Christ. The starting point for salvation, the starting point for the Christian life, is to receive Christ. And through salvation in Christ, our identity becomes radically changed. We're changed to the very core of our being. And this salvation is a gift from God to people who do not deserve it. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. See, we did not receive Christ because we were smarter, we were better, more special, because we worked harder at it, No, we receive God's gift because he is good. None of us deserved it. We are like the prodigal son who has rejected God in every way, and as we return to the Father, he responds not with anger and frustration, but with gifts and a party at a return. It's undeserved, it's unexpected, and it's grace. Grace is receiving something good that you did not deserve. And because salvation is such a significant gift, and because it comes at the greatest of cost, it has eternal significance. Through salvation, a person's identity is changed. You see, prior to salvation, before we received Christ, we were guilty. We had been found guilty of cosmic treason. Treason is the deliberate and personal attacking the character and kingdom of God. That is what sin is. When we are sin, we are saying, God, you don't love me enough, you don't care about me enough, you don't know what's good for me, and so I'm going to do this my way instead of your way. That's treason against the king of creation. And even as treason is punishable by death in our own country, it should not surprise us that treason against God is punishable by death. Our sin has earned us death. Outside of Christ, this is where we stand. Convicted, guilty, and waiting the final judgment for our sin. But God, which are some of the greatest words in the Bible, but God in his great mercy has offered a gift to traitors. And the gift is adoption. It's a gift that our punishment is paid for by someone else, and it's a gift that takes us from death to life. 
And so because of this gift of salvation, because we have received Christ, our position before God and in the world has radically been altered. We are no longer enemies of God, but we are considered sons and daughters. We are no longer dead, but alive. We no longer live in this world as though this, as though this is all there is. No, in receiving Christ, our whole outlook has changed. And our position before God has changed. Instead of being a traitor before him, we can now live a life pleasing to him because we have a right relationship with him. And I think it's essential that Paul starts here. And if you read his writings enough, you're going to notice that every time he calls people to do something, that you should do this or put on this, the call is always tied back to our identity that we're already loved and saved by Christ. We've been saved by God, and so we, our life has changed. We don't do anything to earn our salvation, but we have been saved, and so we are changed. And so the works we do, the calls that Paul calls us to today, come from an overflow of a heart that has been changed by the gospel, a heart that has been changed by Christ. But I want to understand that uh, we, as we progress, we need to be reminded that if we've received Christ, that there are already some very significant changes that have been made. We've already been changed. Paul continues by saying, as you receive Christ, so walk in him. So because your identity has changed, because of your future has changed, your life in the now should change. I am a sports fan, and one of my favorite parts of the sports season is when there's a draft or free agency opens, and this is a time where players on old teams move to new teams, or teams from teams in Ohio to teams that actually are worth playing for. And there's a moment where contractually this person was part of this team and now they're not. But as they begin to live their new life as a traded person, their identity begins to change. They, be, they move what city they live in. They change what jersey they wear. They change who they're playing with. Their, their hopes are changed. And they eventually begin to identify more with their new team than with their old team. In receiving Christ, our team has changed. So as you have received Christ, so walk in him. The call is to grow and become more and more like the team and the people you belong to. And this people is not tied together by race or politics or lines on a map, but is a people defined by receiving Christ. Paul's desire in the book of Colossians is that the recipients of God's gift would grow into spiritual maturity. And so when we see his call here to walk in Christ, we should see that as a call to grow in, to stay in, and to mature in. So there are these four characteristics of someone who has received Christ and is walking in him. The first characteristic of someone who is walking in Christ is that they are rooted. Rooted is an agricultural term. And even of those, who, those of you who have a brown thumb or a plastic thumb or no thumb whatsoever, you can understand the need for a plant to be rooted. As I, I read this or study this, I, I always think of a tree, that as it grows up, its roots extend down into the earth. A tree is planted just once, in the same spot until the day it dies, and a rooted tree can withstand the winds and the storms, for it sits well. Like a tree, those who have received Christ ought to be rooted in him, meaning that they have placed their life and their hopes and their desires into him. 
They look to him for support, for stability, and for the nourishment of their souls. And the more they root themselves in Christ, the more they are satisfied by him, and the more they desire to be more rooted. I think of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount where he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The more you hunger and thirst for righteousness, the more you hunger and thirst for Jesus, the more you'll be satisfied by him. But the more you are satisfied by him, the more you hunger and thirst for more of him. And so the person who is rooted hungers and thirsts to be more rooted in Jesus, to be more centered on him. And the more they are centered on him, the more they root themselves in him, the more satisfied they are by him, and the more they desire to be more rooted. The more rooted someone is, the more stable their lives are. They can endure storms, dark nights of soul, sufferings, because their hope is rooted in the completed finished work of Jesus and the eternal hope they have through the gospel. So I started this morning by asking, does following God really matter now? Does following Jesus change things? And I'm reminded of one of Jesus' parables. It's the, the parable of the sower, and it's a man who goes out to sow a seed. And this was before agro-liquid. And uh, so, in case you were wondering... And so this man throws his seeds in the field and into four different types of soils. But while there are four different types of soils, there are only two results. Either the soil is good and the seeds grow and bear fruit, or the seeds end up dying. Jesus explains that the point of this parable was to show that it's not enough to just hear the gospel. It's not enough to just like Jesus. Wow, he's a good teacher. I like what he's saying on this topic. And it's not enough to just add Jesus to the other important things in your life. The genuine spiritual life is a life that roots itself in Christ. The only good soil, the only thing a life can be rooted in. All other soils cannot hold your life together. You cannot root yourself in your abilities, your accomplishments, your wealth. You cannot root yourself in right relationships or connections or family or going to this church or that church. Those things aren't able to hold your life together. And so it's important to root your life in Christ, just as you received him. It was Christ that made the difference in the first place, and so it's him who should be the center of your life still. The first characteristic of someone who's in Christ is that they are rooted in him. The second characteristic of someone who's in Christ is they are being built up in him. If being rooted focuses on gospel truths working their way down into our heart, being built up is seeing those gospel truths work their way out into our life, into our actions. When someone receives Christ and has rooted their life in Christ, then their life is going to constantly be built up in him. When scripture talks about believers, there is the assumption that the gospel changes not just the way people feel or, the way, or what their future is, but it changes them in that moment as well. Encountering Jesus changes you. Think of Zacchaeus. When he encountered Jesus, what was his response? Was it just like, oh man, I've got a home in heaven someday? No, his, his life was changed. His values changed. He sold the money and gave back to the people what he stole. The Apostle Paul himself encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, and it radically changed the way he lived, what he valued, what he said, how he treated people. The gospel compels us to change And it's not just change, but it's changing into the image of the one we've rooted our lives in. 
For a period of time, I worked at a, a greenhouse in a nursery, and there are certain plants, depending on what soil you'll put them in, will have different colored, colored flowers. In essence, their blooms reflect what they're rooted in. And so too does the life of the person who has received Christ reflect the one we're rooted in. And the calls that we see throughout the Bible, the things that we're called to do, the, the attitudes we're supposed to be like, the, the characteristics of a, a Christian, are not just random, arbitrary calls to rules. Look at Colossians 3.12, just on the next page. Paul writes, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Notice, he's reminding them of their identity again. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put, put, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What believers are called to is to model the very character of the one we've rooted ourselves in. We are called to be like Christ. How does this process work? Is it, is it something we have to try really hard to, to get? Or is it something we just let happen to us? How does this process work? I think the, the process is a, that's closest is that of a child. And I, so I think of my sons. As my sons grow up living in my house, they begin to do some of the things that I do. They value some of the things that I value. They throw their clothes on the floor like I throw my clothes on the floor. They love me, and they desire to be like me. And so it sort of does just happen, but it's because they're actively wanting to spend time with me and be like me. It's why they like watching Star Wars and basketball. In receiving Christ, we've been adopted by him. And as we spend more time with our Father in heaven and in his word, the more we are rooted in Christ, the more we're going to be built up like him because we're going to see his character. We're going to see what he's like. And we're going to become like him. We're going to reflect his character in this world. To be built up in Christ is a second characteristic of someone who has received Christ and is walking in him. Having received Christ, we walk in him, being rooted and built up in him. The third characteristic is that they hold on to the things that they were taught. Paul talks about being established in the faith. To be established means to continue on or to be strengthened. They're to be strengthened in their faith just as they were taught. And I think there's a progression where these first two characteristics, if you receive Christ, you root yourself in him and you are built up in him, then your faith is going to be strengthened in him. But how do we know what to root ourselves in and to what, to what we're built up in? It's going to be the things that we have been taught. I think the main point here is that Paul is calling the believers to hold fast to the teaching that they've received from the apostles and the scripture that they have in their hands. So too is the call for us to hold fast to the teaching of the apostles and the scripture we have in our hands. Scripture itself is sufficient for everything we need to receive Christ, to walk in Christ, to be rooted in Christ, to be built up in Christ, to be strengthened in our faith. It all comes from Scripture. 
Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. This is it. This is what God has given us for life and godliness. And I think there's often a temptation for believers, and there certainly was for the Colossians to think that there might be something else that I need to have or need to do to become mature in my faith, to grow in my faith. We might think if we just read this book or pray this prayer or do this thing or that thing or go to this conference or that conference, that our faith will be strengthened. And while these may be good things, we must always remember to understand these things and read these things through the understanding that Scripture is totally sufficient for strengthening our faith. Scripture itself is totally sufficient for strengthening our faith. And so the third characteristic is someone who holds on to God's word, who does not reject the teaching of God's word. Third characteristic of someone who is in Christ is that they hold on to the things that they were taught. The final characteristic of someone who walks in Christ is that they are abounding in thanksgiving. The person who has received Christ is someone who is eternally grateful. Their gratitude is rooted in the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And it was done for sinners. He died for sinners. And we're thankful because we see how we had lost it all. Through our sin, we lost everything. We were bound for judgment and death. But through Christ, he paid it all. He paid the price for our sin. And now through Christ, we get it all. We get all the blessings of God as if we had never sinned in the first place. One pastor has said, gratitude is the joy that arises in response to God's good will towards us and all his gifts. Another says, the gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared believe. Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gospel is such an undeserved, unexpected, unwarranted, encounter to everything we could comprehend gift that it does create in us gratitude. And this gratitude grows in the life of the believer as they are rooted, as they are built up. This gratitude grows and it becomes the motivation for good works. It becomes the motivation for why we root ourselves. It becomes the motivation for why we want to be built up. It becomes the motivation for why we want our faith to be strengthened because we are so thankful for what he has done for us. The reason we desire to become like Christ is because we see what he's done and we're like, I want that. I want him. It's the reason why we do right and we don't do wrong. It's the reason why we hold on to the teaching of our Bible It's the reason why we put off the things of this world. We are like the the one who found the treasure in the field or that pearl of great price. It was not a burden to sell everything he had to acquire that. It was a blessing to receive that gift. Sometimes it's a temptation to think of the Christian life as a set of rules to just obey or else God will be disappointed or mad. And so we try really hard to please God and when we fail, we become discouraged. 
But the truth is we've already been loved by God. He's already saved us. And so the call then is to repent when we fail and come back to him because we are so thankful for what he's done. Therefore, as you receive Christ, abound in thanksgiving. Let's put this all together. Therefore, as you receive Christ, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith just as you were taught, and abounding in thanksgiving. Brothers and sisters, following Jesus changes everything. It changes you in the eternity your eternal hope, and it changes you today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It changes what's central to your life, the way you interact with the people in the world, and it calls you to hold to the eternal truths of Scripture and to grateful obedience. Paul does not conceive of a Christian who is not rooted and built up, one who is not strengthening their faith, and one who is not thankful. And certainly at times there may be seasons where some of these are not as present as they ought to be. But if we look at our lives and these characteristics are never true, then we have to ask ourselves, have we really, truly received Christ? And if we haven't received Christ, the response ought to be, I need to receive Christ. I need to repent of my sins and turn to him. I need to submit my life to the king of creation because he has died on my behalf so that I might have life and life abundantly. For those of you this morning who are already in Christ, who have said, these things are true about me, there's going to be times in your life where you do not meet these standards perfectly. And the call to unbelievers is the same call to you, which is to repent and turn to Christ, turn to the gospel, turn to the things that saved you, to the one that saved you, and root yourself in him. Build yourself up in him. Strengthen your faith in him. Be thankful for him. When I chose this text, I, I didn't quite realize it, but these four characteristics are the four things I would desire to build a youth ministry around. Some of you here this morning have uh, kids or teenagers already in the youth ministry. Some of you don't have kids in the youth ministry. But you know what? Those believers in the youth ministry, whether they are 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, they're your brothers and sisters in Christ. And God calls us to love those, to encourage them, to teach them, to guide them, to disciple them. It is your responsibility as a church to help raise the kids of the church. So even if the kid isn't biologically yours, the children in this church are spiritually yours. And our desire should be as a church that these kids, these teenagers, these youth, would be rooted in the right one. That they would hold on to Christ as the center of of their life. That they would be built up to be like him, that their lives would model Christ-likeness in this world. Christ-likeness in their relationship, Christ-likeness in their workplace, their families and friends. That their faith would be strengthened by God's word. And that they would live in grateful obedience. Honestly, it's true that All of us need that. These are characteristics not just true of teenagers, but these are characteristics of every believer at every stage. That we need the gospel every day. We need to be reminded that Christ has saved us, that he is continually saving us. The gospel is the power of God for those who would believe. And it's the power that brings us home.
Paul writes in Colossians 1.28, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is a call of every pastor. that They are to present their flock as mature in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we are thankful this morning that your word is true, that your word is good, that your gospel is great. God, we are so thankful for what you've done for us. And God, as we move to sing a song, may we sing out of the gratitude that comes from a heart that has been changed by your love. And may we be a people that reflect you in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.